Hey, Reach Paramount, welcome to our podcast. Hey, this message is from our midweek service with Pastor Rob Santiago in a message entitled The Allocation. Enjoy this message. Amen. You guys can have a seat. Amen. I was told, they told me, look, we need you to preach this Wednesday. They said, you only have like five minutes, though. So I'm just kidding. They didn't say that. But they said, but we want to be, we want to be short. But you know what they told me? They said, when I got here, they go, but if the Spirit's leading you, just, just go. And so I, I'm excited to preach this message to you guys. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm honored to be up here. I want to honor my pastor, Pastor Omar and Sister Letty. They've been such a blessing to my wife and I. Uh, and every time I get to preach up here, I don't take that for granted. I, I just, I absorb that. And I say, God, thank you so much for the opportunity for using me. And I want to encourage everybody, when you get a chance to teach the Word of God or preach the Word of God or just share it, a Bible study, it doesn't matter. When you get a chance to do that, do that because it'll change your life. I start off just by getting asked, hey, I want you to, in Connect Group, I want you to ask everybody what their prayer request is. And then it turned into, hey, can you go ahead and take the offering? Hey, can you go ahead and now, can you just do like a a five minute lesson? And next thing I know, you know, fast forward, you know, 20, you know, 17, 18 years, I get to preach at a service like this to all you fine folks. And so I don't take that for granted. But I want to pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to come into your house and to preach your word. Lord, I ask that you would begin to use us, Lord, that you begin to speak to us. Father, that you would use me in this moment to speak your words and not mine. Father, I'd submit unto you and to your will. And Lord, we invite your Holy Spirit into this place and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So I remember, I just want to start off with a little story. I remember one time, I, 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 me and my wife, I, I think we just bought, bought a condo in Paramount up the street a few years ago. And so I remember I said, look, I, I, I'm a homeowner now. I feel like I should have a nativity scene. Okay, and so I remember telling her, like, we need to find a nativity scene. And I remember going to, like, different websites, and I couldn't really find them. And I'm like, well, let's go to the store. We couldn't find them at the store. And then I found that, I don't know how I found this, but Macy's.com had one. And so I said, well, let's order it. Let's order it. I remember ordering it. I couldn't wait for it to come. And then when it came, I was just so happy. Because I'm like, look, this is what we're going to do. We're going to celebrate Christmas. We're not going to celebrate holidays. We're going to celebrate Christmas in this house. And what I want, you give God praise for that, but... What I want is I want the nativity scene in my house. I want baby Jesus in my house. And I want everyone when they come over to see this nativity scene. So my wife, I I love her. She goes all out, man. She got like this. She went to the craft store and she got like these cotton balls. So it looks like we put that on, you know, we laid it down. We put the nativity scene on it. And I was like, yeah, look at that. Look at Jesus. Look at him, so rested and well and so preserved, so beautiful. And I remember one night I was just like, man, you know, I started to realize, you know, it was very difficult to find a nativity scene and it made me sad. Because I remember when I was a kid, you can go to the store and, and you could see nativity scenes everywhere, but you can't, it, today you don't really see that. You know what you see? You see the Christmas cardinal. And I asked people, what is the Christmas cardinal? What is that? And it's a bird, right? It's just a red bird. And I'm like, what is that? What does that even mean? Why does this even exist? I hope I'm not offending anybody. I honestly don't know what it means, 
right? And, I, and I'm like, Christmas means Jesus. That's what it means. And so when we, when I, I remember seeing that nativity scene, I remember looking at the baby, the baby Jesus, and I remember, man, everything, the whole story, right? Everything that comes with that is a cost. That baby represents something that we sometimes don't like to think about. He represents the atonement for your sins. And so we've been learning as Pastor Omar and Pastor Isaac have been preaching about the cost, right? We've been learning that there is a heavy cost and a heavy price that needed to pay that, you know, and I know it's not Easter, right? We're not talking about the, the resurrection or anything like that, but that baby still represents that. So as we go through our holiday season, we have to remember what that truly means. As I drive even to here from my house, I drive here, I see a bunch of nativity scenes. I do see it. And it just brings joy to my heart. But then I ask myself, do people really know what that symbol is? Of Jesus just laying in a manger. Do they really know the cost? And so, you know, I, I think about that cost and how we can allocate that cost in our lives. And so there's a business term I want to introduce to you. Some of you have probably heard of this, but it's called cost allocation. And here's the definition of cost allocation. It's the distribution of one cost across multiple entities. So one cost across multiple entities. The one thing I love about Christmas is it reminds me the price that Jesus is going to pay, but also that it's across the whole world. It's across everyone, and it's across every race, it's across every class of people. It doesn't matter, it's, it's, a, it's a cost that everyone gets. But how do we allocate that cost in our own lives? I think what we forget is it's not only for everyone, but it's for every part of our lives. It's for every part of your life. And this is where it gets a little, this part of the sermon gets a little uneasy tonight. Because, and I've said this and I've read these passages to you before in the past, but they're my favorite passages that Jesus said because when I read them, it changed my life. I really understood what it meant to follow Christ. Because the allocation needs to be in every part of our life. That means it needs to be in your career. It needs to be in your, in your finances. It needs to be in your family. And I think sometimes what ends up happening, especially during the holiday season, we become very busy. And we become so busy that we forget really what Christmas is about. And that cost is supposed to be on every facet of your life. Not just Sundays, Wednesdays, Fridays, right? When we have service. But it's every single day of your life. So when you begin to examine that, what does that mean? How do we allocate this cost? In Luke chapter 9, verse 57, this is a passage that really struck me and it ministered to me a long time ago and it changed my life when I read it. But this is Jesus talking and he says, as they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. 
Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now, when you look at this scripture, you got to understand that this scripture is harsh. And I know that Christmas is a time to be with your family and to put them first. But really what Christ is telling us is that he needs to take precedence over every relationship and obligation in our lives. I'm going to say it again. Jesus needs to take precedence over every relationship and obligation in your life. And I mean that in a mean way. Because I just, I just read to you a really tough scripture. It's one of those scriptures that's supposed to mold you and shape you. And it gives you an expectation of what your Savior wants. When people say, well, do you think God would... I said, you know what he wants? You know what God wants? He wants to be first in your life. He wants to be first in everything. Relationship and obligation. You know, as a connect group leader, I get a lot of excuses of why we can't go to connect group. Why we can't go to connect group. And some of them I just scratch my head on. Right? And I'm like, really? That is going to take precedence over the word of God. You know? And, and, and sometimes I want to say, did you even read the word of God this morning? Or how about this week? Did you read the word of God this week? No? Okay, well, and then you decide to wash your car at some midnight car wash because they're having a deal so you can no longer come to Connect Group. And, and I always thought to myself, and you know, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I had some pretty good excuses when I was going to Connect Group. Okay? None of, some of them weren't even true. Well, I got a final tomorrow. Well, I didn't have Saturday class. You know, and it's like, but we put, we find so many reasons to not put him first. Because it may be inconveniencing us, right? It may be an inconvenience to serve God the way he's expecting you to serve. Those are some tough things that he said. Let the dead bury their own dead. That's tough. In other words, just stop. I'm telling you to follow me now. I'm not telling you to follow me later when you feel like it or when you think it's appropriate for you to follow me. In other words, I need you to be inconvenienced because I'm going to save the world. I need you to be inconvenienced. In Luke chapter 18, verse 22, when Jesus heard this, he said to him, one thing you still lack, sell all that you have and distribute to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. Matthew 10, 38, and whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. You know, I remember when we, I got saved the first time. I was excited. I was really excited. And then, I started hanging out with some folks and, you know, church became a little bit of a chore. And then I started to feel like, you know what, this excitement is no longer there. I'm not excited to walk into church anymore. And so, you know, and some of you know what I'm talking about. I know I'm not the only one that's felt this, but the excitement starts to leave. You know what gets scary is when the excitement starts, you know, to leave even about your own salvation. Where you're no longer excited that you are saved. Think about what you've been through that took you away from that excitement. Think about the thought process that you've had where all of a sudden that excitement has left. And now it's more of a burden to serve Christ than it is to be excited about your own salvation. And so we get through these ebbs and flows in life. 
I remember in, there's a, in the book, uh, in, in Luke chapter one, there's a story where, you know, Mary was pregnant with Jesus. And, and a lot of you know the story. I love this story. It's kind of cute. I find it very cute. But Elizabeth comes, who's, who's also pregnant with John the Baptist. And as she's pregnant with John the Baptist, she runs into Mary. So there, you had, you had both John the Baptist and Jesus in the womb. And it, the scriptures tell us at that moment that John the Baptist leaped because he knew he was next to the Savior. Imagine that type of excitement in your life where you're saying, you know what? I know my life's about to change. I know God is going to do something great in my life. And that's going to make me excited. See, you lose that excitement, church, when you think that God is no longer moving in your life. Or you no longer believe that he can change you. The transformation needs to take place. The excitement should lead you to that transformation. But the problem is, we grow weary. We grow tired. Where church is is just a chore. And so, what happens with, with our Christianity is, we start to have a relationship where we allocate God, but it's only based on circumstance. So you allocate God based off circumstance. See, let me tell you, church, when you begin to do that, I want you to examine yourself. When you begin to do that, where you're only allocating God in those moments of circumstance, you are no, lo- you are no longer serving God, but you are serving circumstances in your life. In other words, you begin to serve the trials that you're facing rather than serving your savior. I remember when I became a Christian, one thing that I was told early on is pray now so it's easier to pray later. Pray now so it's easier to pray later. That means you're constantly in prayer so when the circumstance does come that is probably trying to tear you down or trying to rip your salvation up, When that circumstance comes, you can pray through it. But a lot of times we wait for the circumstance and then we pray. It's reactionary. It's no longer proactive spirituality, but it's just reactionary. See, it's no, it's, you become, you come to a place where salvation is no longer enough for you. You need more. You want the blessings. You see what other people have. Well, why are they getting blessed? Why is this taking place in my life? Or, and, and, and how come nothing's happening to them? You start to compare yourself. And then when you realize that maybe somebody else's life is better than yours, you start to go down this path where it's no longer exciting for you to serve God because you feel serving him isn't bringing the value that you had originally expected. No one told you that, hey, when you accept Jesus, you're going to become a millionaire. No one told you when you accepted Jesus that all your bills are going to be paid. It doesn't work like that. Sometimes when we accept Jesus, our lives, they kind of get shredded apart. Family members start to, you know, hurt you. You, you, be, you lose some friendships. This is part of that cost. When you begin to allocate Jesus into your life, there's, there's a cost that happens to you. But see, the problem that we have is we don't want any cost. We want to serve Jesus and say, God, I hope this is free. God, I hope that, you know, you died for my sins and it's free, so I'm going to take it. And, and, and you're realizing, wait a minute, where's this relationship that I want? That's what Jesus is saying. Where is this relationship? 
Is it always just me blessing you so I can hear your voice on Sunday? Again, the circumstances become more important than the life. I remember there was a time in my life, and I'm just going to be open, where I was like, man, you know, I told, I told, uh, I, I think it was Diga. I remember we were just having a conversation. You know, Diga, I haven't had a trial in a while. And he's, and we're talking. He's like, that, Rob, that's not good. And I'm like, I'm like, really? That's not good? He goes, yeah. I go, well, dude, I need a trial. Like, like what's going on? I'm just dripping in favor, I guess. Like, I just, I need a trial, man. Like, I see everyone else having trials. Why come I'm not getting them? So, and it, you know, we're just, we were just messing with each other, but you know, got into the whole thing. Well, maybe Satan's not interested in you because you're not effective. You know, <laughs> you know, we, we joke around like that. You know, it's like, I said, I don't know, man. Like I, I need a trial, you know? And so, and, and yes, these trials, yeah, they'll put you, you know, they should put you to your knees in prayer. They should get you to open up and say, God, you know, I, I need, I need more of you. I, I'm going through this circumstance. I'm going through this trial and I really need you. I, I really, really need you. And, and that's great that you get to do that. But if you start to live your life expecting that, like I was like, man, I need a trial, man. So God can move me. So you need something bad to happen for you to progress in your spirituality. Again, it's a reactive thing and it's because you have not allocated that cost first john 2 16 says for all that is in the world the desires of the flesh and the and the desires of the eyes and pride and possessions is not from the father but it is of the world see i believe that we begin to focus on material things we begin distracted we've talked about in this church a lot about social media and how it can really mess you up and it can take you away from what god is trying to do in your life because that spirit of comparison begins to come out and because you're thinking, well, how come they're always on vacation? How come they're always get to do these things? And remember, all, all you're seeing is the highlights, right? Then you start to say, look, their circumstance is better than mine. When in reality, it's like, you know what? Your circumstance is exactly where God wants you to be. But the problem is you think that, you think that God is supposed to push you to do something when in reality, he's kind of just waiting for you. He's waiting for you to do something. In John chapter 6, verse 55, he says, this, says, for my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him as the living father sent me and I live because of the father. So whoever feeds on me, he will also live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. So in other words, church, you could sum this up easily. Jesus needs to be your life source. He has to be your life source in life because we live a busy life. It's so busy sometimes that we forget to read. We forget to worship. We forget to, to even follow up with people in our connect groups or, or pray for somebody that needs desperate prayers because they're going through that circumstance. See, it's not enough to just receive salvation, but you need to live it. You have to live it. It's coming towards the end of the year. This is the tough part. What's next for you? 
I'm here to tell you what is next for you. And as I told, as I'm writing this down, I'm speaking to God. I'm really starting to realize even everybody in this room, title exempt, what is next for you? Is it going to be just another year and reach Paramount? Or are you going to really start to do something? Are you going to say, you know what? I want more ministry. I want more of this. Is it really, is it really something that you want? Because I feel like what, what we, we tend to take, what tends to take place in our lives is we're expecting for God to tell us audibly, or it needs to come from a pulpit, or it needs to come from a word from God, from a prophet, to get you to do something. Or a good YouTube video. Uh oh. That's hot right now. YouTube, yeah. Those, there's a lot being said on there. Some of it's, a lot of it's wrong. I'm gonna be candid with you guys. You know, if someone's talking about demons at midnight, that just doesn't sit well with me all the time. Why are we talking about this at midnight? You know, why is it 2 a.m. and we're talking about casting out demons and deliverance and you're live? What the heck is going on? That should raise some flags for you. If you didn't know at our church, we talk about demons right here. We don't wait till, we don't wait till the, you know, darkest hours of night to do that. That's just a little, just a little weird. That's just, sorry, my, it's my opinion. But again, we have to be careful with those things. In this church, we preach out of the word of God. That's why this is what got me saved. It wasn't a YouTube video. Okay, it wasn't a YouTube video. It wasn't even a sermon series. We didn't have them back then. People still getting saved with no sermon series. We're spoiled today, I'm going to be honest with you. You know, we got this great sermon series, this amazing graphic. I mean, it brightens up the whole church. You know, <laughs> you know we're spo- we are spoiled, man. We are spoiled. But this right here, man, this will change your life. This will change your life. I also want to talk to those of you where I said, what's next for you? Maybe you've been here for a while. Maybe you've been in ministry for a while. And you're like, yeah, I'm a shoe in into heaven. I've been serving in my church for 10 years. Right? I'm a shoe in, man. He's going to let me walk right in. You know? And, and I'm wondering, you know what? What is next for you, right? See, some of you are counting on ministry to achieve eternal life. I want to speak to ministers, those that are in ministry, eternal life. It's not by works. There's a quote that John Piper says, he says, our deeds are not the basis of our salvation. They are the evidence of our salvation. They are not foundation. They are demonstration. We cannot lean on just our ministry or a title. It is what's happening inside of you What's happening inside of you that is getting you to connect with the Father? What is happening inside your heart, your mind? Is it true transformation? Or are you just going through the motions because you got scheduled on planning center? It's not going to get you into heaven. I'm just going to be candid. Yes, we serve because it's evidence of our salvation. But don't count on that. Examine yourself.
our deeds are not enough. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 16, I have two versions of this. I want to read you the first one. The apostle Paul writes this. He says, nevertheless, knowing that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Christ Jesus. Even we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we may be justified by faith in Christ, not by works of the law, since by works of the law, no flesh will be justified. Now the message version, I want you to read this with me. The message version says this, we know very well that we are not set right with God by rule keeping, but only through personal relation or personal faith in Jesus Christ. How do we know? We tried it. And we had the best system of rules the world has ever seen. Convinced that no human being can please God by self-improvement. I'm going to say that again. Convinced that no human being can be pleased by, or or can please God by self-improvement. We believed in Jesus as a Messiah so that we might be set right before God by trusting in the Messiah, not by trying to be good. It's not enough where I want to serve God so I'm a better person. You want to serve Jesus because you love him. Because you believe in him. You believe in his message. You believe that that baby in the manger was a symbol of atonement for everybody. And therefore you want to live for him. You want to serve him because he saves everybody else. You want to serve him. And, and, and you want to do these things because you are in love with him. Not because, well, you know, Pastor Omar asked me to. Or because, you know, Rob or Isaac need me. Yes, we do, but we want you to love Jesus first. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak for us. We want you to love Jesus more than anything. So we care about where you're at in your spirituality in this church. So when a leader calls you and says, I haven't seen you at Connect Group for several weeks, you don't need to get offended. It's a reciprocation of something simple. They love you and they care about you. Because we need you to allocate more of Christ into your life. There's a cost. Every one of you know that there's a cost But we want you to know that you have to allocate that cost into every aspect of your life. Every single aspect. Your family should know that you serve Christ. Your friends should know that you serve Christ. Your career, they should know that you serve Christ. Your checkbook should know that you serve Christ. It's just the truth. Can I have the worship team come up? I want you guys to be satisfied with God. I want you to be satisfied and saturated in his love to where you will no longer find something else to preoccupy your spirituality. I want you to be satisfied. I want you to know that he is enough. I want you to know that you can put Jesus in every facet of your life. Every single facet of your life, you can add Jesus into it. As a matter of fact, what I read to you in our opening was you are supposed to put him first in everything, in every relationship and obligation. That means your career. That means him before your family. Everything. He is first. So I know Christmas is right around the corner. 
And you're probably like, why, you know, why are you talking about this? Because I don't want you to wake up on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day without thinking about your Savior. He is the reason why we get to, why, why we even have Christmas, why we even have this holiday, why maybe some of you are off of work, why, why some of you are, are getting, pre- your, your Christmas trees is stacked with gifts. It's because Jesus gave that to you. It's because God blesses his people. And I want you to be excited about that. I want you to be excited about the blessings that God has given you. I want you to count them because there was a cost to them. And so, if I can have every head bowed and every eye closed, I know that this was a quick message. But it's a simple message. I am trying to challenge you and get everybody to understand that he needs to be at every part of our life. And maybe you're sitting here and you're like, you know what? I barely know Jesus. I don't know him at all. But I can guarantee you that if you're sitting here, you do know the cost. You know about that day of atonement. You know about the crucifixion. You you know that people spit at him, threw things at him mocked him everybody in this room should know that we've seen it we've heard it but the cost was his life the cost was his life on the cross for you so that you can obtain salvation so that you could be free from the enemy so that you could be free from addiction you could be free from a circumstance so that you can understand that God still works miracles so that you could see those miracles. But it takes faith in order to understand that. And maybe you've never experienced a touch from God. You maybe never heard his voice. And it's, you're probably, the, you know, it's your first time here. I want to invite you this evening. I want to invite you to accept Jesus into your life. I love my pastor earlier this year man he just started talking about how serving Christ it's just better you could do life in so many different ways you could do life with so many different things in so many different ways but let me tell you something when you serve Christ it's just better and when you serve Christ everything else gets put in its proper space in your life so maybe you're there and you're going through a circumstance or you're saying you know what I've I've never given my life to Jesus. I've never confessed that he's my savior. I want to give you this opportunity tonight. This opportunity to allocate that cost. To allocate Jesus into your life. And I want to tell you something. It's not too late. You don't have to wait for a moment. The moment's now. You don't have to wait for somebody else. You don't have to wait till you get a job or till, till you get the right job or, or until you stop this addiction that maybe you're going through or, or you know, I got to stop sinning. Then you accept Christ. You can accept Christ today. You can bring it all here, all to the front and begin that change right now. Maybe you are dealing with addiction. Maybe you're dealing with anxiety or a mental health issue. We can give that to God right here and leave it at this altar. I've been there. I'm a walking testimony of this, where I've just put it, I gave it all to God. 
my anxiety, my depression, everything. I gave it to God. And that's why I'm on this stage to tell you, you don't have to live life like you've been living it. You can change it right here and right now. So if that's you and you'd like to dedicate your life to Jesus, I want you to lift your hands. Amen. I see that hand. Any other hands? Any other hand? I see that hand. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone want to join this other hand? You won't be alone. Anyone else? Don't pass up this opportunity. This is why we do what we do. This is why we prepare messages. This is why we have the church open. Is we want to see lives change and people saved. Anyone else? Don't pass up this opportunity, church. If you're feeling that heaviness in your heart, or maybe you're your heart's pumping really fast and you don't know what's going on, that's the Holy Spirit tugging on your heart, telling you you need to make a commitment right now. If that's you, I want you to lift your hand. Don't pass up this opportunity. Anyone else? Just raise your hand, church. Just raise your hand. We're going to wait. If that's you and you're feeling it, just raise your hand. And just declare, we're we're not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to make you talk in the microphone. But honestly, we just want to pray for you. If that's you, just lift your hand. Just lift your hand in this place. I see that hand. God bless you. You can put it down. God bless you. I see it. Last chance. If you've never accepted Jesus in your life, like to join these brave hands, just lift your hand. Those two hands that, li- that were lifted, can you do me a favor? Can you meet me up here? I'm not going to embarrass you. We're just going to have some people pray with you. If you can come up here. Amen. We celebrate this. We celebrate this. All of heaven rejoices. God bless you, my brother. What's your name? Jose, nice to meet you. What's your name? Maryland. Me. We're going to have some folks pray with you and they're going to lead you to the Lord, okay? Church, I want, to, I want you to turn your attention on me. I want to read to you a verse. In Romans chapter 5, verse 1 through 2, it says, Paul writes, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our introduction of faith into this grace, which we stand and we exult in hope in the glory of God. And what I want to tell you, those of you that are sitting out there, what I wanted to ask you is, does your faith lead you to allocate Christ in all of your life? Maybe you know Jesus, you've accepted him, but does your faith lead you to allocate Christ in all of your life? If you can honestly say that, I want you to stay in your seat. If you know you need to allocate more Christ in your life, I want you to come to the front, come to the altar. Begin to talk to God. Begin to lift His name. Begin to speak in tongues. Say, God, I want more of you in my life. Jesus, I've been doing it on my own. I want more of you. Come on, church. Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com slash give.